Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Good morning. Hey, so if you were with us last week, last week was uh, a big Sunday for us. We had nine people get baptized. Yeah. And salvation, somebody gave their life to Christ. And uh, the church had been praying for a while, just uh, for, at the end of each year, we do a, a really big offering just where we bring God our best. And I know everybody's wondering, like, well, how much was it? Man, $220,000. Come on, somebody. And we've even had some people say, hey, I wasn't able to make it last week. You can still give to that this week. You give to it next year. Um, and it's just, it's just really exciting to see all that God is doing. I was telling uh, Chris beforehand, I just think back when we first started the church, uh, the entire first church, year of the church was $44,000. And then the entire second year of the church was like eighty. dollars And then, man, we did basically in one day what took us three years. Isn't that how God works sometimes? Right? And I just pray that over each one of your lives, right? Man, just God, just do what only you can do. Um, we also have some pastoral interns that are coming on this year. There's four guys, and I want to wait to introduce you to them until the new year. Uh, but January, uh, we'll celebrate 13 years as a church, and I want you to meet some of these guys. Yeah, 13 years. And the other night, I got together with the four guys and just said, hey, what are some of your expectations for 2023? What are you looking forward to the most? What do you want to grow in? Where is your heart at? And they, we talked for a couple hours just sitting around a campfire, y'all. Come on. That's where the best conversations happen. Um, and we're, we're sitting at the campfire and we're talking. And everything that we said basically came down to a version of this. I want to know God. I want to know his word. Uh, like sometimes, let's be honest, when, when you look at this book, like I, I, just, I want to know, I want to know God, I want to know his word. It could be a little bit intimidating because it's a big book, right? He's a big God. And, and uh, we, we want to know it. We want to, want to get closer to him. And, and everybody gave me some kind of version of that. I just want to know God more. Uh, and, then, and then it was, I, mean, I want to know my purpose. I want to know what I'm created for. I, I just want to join in with whatever it is that God has for me. I want God to, to speak to me and be clear of what it is he wants me to do. And then there was some version of, and I, I just wanted to be more comfortable sharing my faith with other people. That I, I have friends and there's people I work with. I know they need Jesus. And I just, I want to be more comfortable sharing my faith. And I, I think all, all, all of those, all the input that I got, from summed up how a lot of us feel, right? And just to know him, to know his word, to know our purpose, to, to share our faith with the people around us. And what's interesting is these responses that the guys gave me, and I, I'm willing to bet is on a lot of your guys' heart as well, is pretty close uh, to a survey that was done years ago in which they were asking people who had just given their life to the Lord and coming to the church, what are some of the things that they were wanting to, to uh, get, get from their coming to church? And they would say this, man, I'm coming to church because I want to know God. I'm coming to church because I want to meet God. 
And then the second thing that they said is, I want to understand the Bible. Like, we heard that. We all have that in our souls, right? But then they said something that it wasn't brought up uh, at the fire. And the reason why it wasn't brought up at the fire, because there's five of us, and we're, saying, we're sitting around, and we're having a good time, and we're friends at the fire. And the, the third one that was brought up is this. I just want to make a friend. Come on. People that are coming to Christ, like, I just want to know God. I want to know his word, and I want to know somebody else. I just want a friend. Come on, somebody. That's, I mean, some of y'all, like, you, you want this big revelation. No, you just need a friend. You just need to go out and have a cheeseburger with somebody, right? There's a piece of your soul that's like, yeah, I want to know God. I want to know his word. I want to know Jesus. But this life is meant to be shared. It's meant to be, oh, let's do this together. Um, and that's why we encourage you, like, join a team, get connected, um, come a little bit early, leave a little bit, like, put yourself out there. Somebody who wants friends shows themselves friendly. And so you, you just got to put yourself out there. I know it's scary. I know it's, we kind of live in this culture and society where it's like, ooh, I don't know if they want to be my friend. I mean, I will just ask you, how you doing? You want to be my friend? <laughs> no? All right. I'll try again. I mean, sometimes you go out and sometimes you click and sometimes you just know this ain't going to work, right? And just keep on. You'll find somebody that can put up with you. And then you marry that person. Right? Come on. It really is spiritual as we make it. It's like, oh, she can stand me. All right, we're doing this. Just need a friend. So what's the plan for 2023? Um, Right down the road here in Wilmington, uh, Port City Community Church, Pastor Mike, years ago, he started something called My One Word. And it's just such a, a great thing that he did. And, and the concept of that is, what is just one word that you could pick to kind of be your word for the entire year? And it's this word that's, it, it's a prayer of your heart of just, God, this is what I'm asking you to do. And for years, uh, we've, we've joined up with them and we've just said, hey, church, what's your one word? And everyone would have their word. And, and sometimes, some years, we would write it here on the stage. And I didn't erase it the last couple of years. Um, but I want to do something different for 2023. Uh, I don't, you're not going to get to choose your word. I'm going to choose the word for you. I know. Oh, like, I'm sorry. Dictatorship right here, you know. But I want to give you this word because I want all of us to be praying about this one word together as a unified body for 2023. And when I tell you this word, it's not going to be like, oh, I thought it'd be something better. Oh, like, that's super exciting. No, it's, it's not a word like that. It's going to be a word where you're almost disappointed until you begin to pray about it. And the word for 2023 is prepared. Are you prepared for the things that you've been praying for? Some of us, we've been praying for things for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. But are you prepared for its fulfillment in 2023? Are you prepared for some of the things that even we say we believe? Are you prepared for persecution? Are you prepared if, if things got really bad? Are you prepared for the salvation of your neighbor? You've been waiting for him to get saved. But what, what have, do you have that Bible ready to give them? Are you ready to baptize them in your hot tub? Come on, whatever it takes. Are we prepared? Um, me and my wife just had a conversation the other day, and, 
And just like every American, one of our things is like, oh, we want to be debt-free. We want to be debt-free. And, and we've, we've kind of had this thing, and, you know, there's, there's this mortgage. There's this house payment. And we've, we've made different plans throughout the years on how we're going to be debt-free. And if you haven't done that, you don't have a house payment. Um, but everybody wants to be debt-free. And then, but we kind of switched the conversation the other day. We said, what are we going to do when we're debt-free? What are we going to do with extra two grand a month? See, is the, goal, the goal isn't just for us to be debt-free. What are we going to do with this money? Do we have a plan for generosity? Do we have a plan for what this represents? Because what if God was to do it? What if he does the impossible in our life and we don't have a mortgage anymore and we have an extra two grand a month? What are we going to do? We're not just going to buy ourselves more stuff. Like, that's boring. Like, come on, so let's make a plan. Are we prepared for the very thing that we're asking God to do? We're praying for revival. Are you ready for revival? Are, are we ready? So I'm just saying 2023, prepared. Ephesians 1, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Ephesians 1, I'm going to begin with verse 3. Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for this glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has shown his kindness on us. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. Are you ready? This is the plan. Paul is revealing this mysterious will regarding Christ. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Come on, somebody. Everything together. Let's skip over to verse 15 now. It says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you what? To give you spiritual wisdom and to give you insight so that you might grow in what? Your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his and rich and glorious inheritance. Amen and amen. So in Ephesians 1, Paul is laying this groundwork to this church that he's praying for, and he's telling them what's next. He's telling them this is the plan. He gives them this prayer for them. And it says this, Even before he made the world, 
God loved us. Before he made the world, he loved you. Now, why is that important? That's important because what that tells me is before you messed up, before you committed your biggest sin, before you completely blew it, he loved you. And not only before your mess up, before all of your success, before everybody patted you on the back and told you how good you are, and before you fulfilled all your dreams and all these things that sometimes we want to falsely find our identity, God loved us before my success, before my failure. And he, what, he chose us to be holy and without fault. What keywords here? In Christ. In Christ. Now, Back up with me for a moment. Imagine this conversation because before the world began, God's there and he's, he's talking. He's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make something. I'm going to make this thing that we will call man. And I'm going to make him out of dirt. And, and, and you know what? He's going to mess up really bad. As a matter of fact, he's going to mess up so bad, he's going to fall so far that he won't be able to get himself out of it. He's going to mess up so bad that the only way for him to get out of it is for me to step out of heaven and into humanity and die for him so that way they could be right standing together. And, and even all of this is going to happen, I'm going to look and I'm going to call him holy and, and, and without fault, not because of anything that they can do, but everything that I have done. So in the eyes of God, he's saying, I look at him and I'm calling them to be holy and without fault in Christ because of his great work for us. And then it says this. This is what he wanted to do. I ain't gonna lie. I wouldn't come up with this plan. If I was to create some things and knew that, hey, if I created this thing, it's gonna act a fool, and then it's gonna, it's gonna do this, it's gonna be all this, and then it's still gonna give them the free will to walk away and do whatever they want and still reject me. I don't think, I just, no, I'm good right here in heaven. I'm just going to hang out right here. We're just going to forget about that whole creation process. But it said this is what he wanted to do. And not only did he want to do it, it gave him great pleasure. I don't know about you, but that sounds like work. That sounds like a whole lot of work. Creation turning on you, all of this thing happening, a cross involved. I don't know how many years ago it was now. Um, actually, I could rewind even further. And uh, we had just started the church, so it was right at 13 years ago, and we're about maybe a year, year and a half into it. And Alan, who was leading worship for us today, uh, he comes over to my house one day and he says, Lucas, I, I want to talk to you. And when everybody says that to you, it's never a good thing. Like, no, you don't. You don't, you don't want to talk to me, bro. Like, let's just play video games or something. And uh, we don't play video games. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> never played a video game with Alan in my life. Um, <laughs> And uh, he's like, I I'm thinking about joining the military. And I laughed. But he didn't laugh. <laughs> like, oh, oh, you're serious. So, like, in that time, like, the economy had gone down. Alan had just gotten married. Um, he he's working. Think, you know, business wasn't good. And, and, you know, for many different reasons, though. But he, he was going to join the military. And it's like, but, bro, like, don't do that. And... Um, Anyway, he got like probably the worst assignment you could get in the military. I mean, there's like, there's bad assignments and then there's Alan's assignment. 
And Alan's assignment was to go to Hawaii. Like just, I mean, oh, suffering for Jesus. Now I know why you're called to join. I see where you went with that, bro. So he goes to Hawaii, and he's in there for, I don't know, what, six years, seven years, something like that. And, and like, he finally invites me over, and we get to go and surf some of the greatest waves in the world. And um, we're talking again. And Alan says, hey, you know, I want to talk to you. And then he tells me this that I didn't see coming. He says, you know, my enlistment's getting ready to be finished, and I'm going to be done. And I'm just assuming he's going to re-enlist because it's Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm coming home. What? What do you mean you're coming home? Well, I mean, Hawaii, shalot. <laughs> Bro, I want you here, but like, shalot, right? And he's, I'm like, man, well, why would you, why would you want to come home? And, and he, he's there, and Lauren's there, and their kids, and their family, and they're just like, well, well that's where my family's at. That's where our, our family's at, and our friends are at. And, and Lucas, that's where you're at. He didn't say that, but that's what he meant. <laughs> he didn't. I, I could read between the lines, you know, of what he was saying. But he, but he did. He was like, you know, that's where my family's at. That's where my friends are at. And, and, and I want to, to, to be back home. And, and when I read this verse, that's all I could think about is where Jesus said, and this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure to step out of heaven and into humanity and to pay the price for us, to step out of Hawaii, come on somebody, and end up in Shalot, North Carolina. And with great pleasure, he did that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for the cross. And then it goes on to say this, that he adopted us into his family that we could be called sons and daughters, and that's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And this is important because this, this concept, this understanding lays the groundwork for what's next. Because if you don't understand this, if you don't get this, like you'll begin to think it's your success or your failure or something else, and you gotta realize all of it is because of in Christ. In Christ, we, he looks at us and we're pure and spotless and blameless because of what he's done and because of his great pleasure and what he chose to do. And it's, we're, rooted, we're rooted in this fundamental principle in the knowledge of God, and that's this. Get this, church. He loved you first. He loved you first. In other words, it's not your love for Christ that saves you. It's his love for you. It's not your good works. It's not all of the checkboxes that you can do, all of the things that you could do to try to do all. No, no, no. He loved us first, and he chose you before the foundations of the world, before anything, and he calls you holy and adopted us in. And that is the end being for all of us who believe in Christ, that we would know him and enjoy him forever, just like he knows us and enjoys us with great pleasure. And there's some keys to this. There's some keys to living this life because it says this, he decided in advance. He decided in advance. Love is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. You see, I decide to forgive you. I don't have a, I, I, I'm not even, no, no, no. 
that's not an option. Unforgiveness is not an option. As a matter of fact, if you look it up in the dictionary, unforgiveness technically isn't even a word because you can't unforgive somebody. You can just live inside of that. I just choose to forgive you. I just forgive you. I choose to love you, to be adopted into this type of family and being brought into right standings. See, I think oftentimes we just, we go on these feelings and these experiences and feelings are great and experiences are good. So sometimes you've got to decide in advance. You've got to decide in advance. I choose to love you, girl. I stand before you and I make this commitment through sickness and health till death do us part. I make this decision in advance. I cross this bridge before we get there. I am not going to cheat. I am not going to steal. I am not going to lie. I choose in advance. Because if we don't, when times get tough and there's decisions to get make and, and there's crosses involved, we'll want to go the other way. We'll want to choose something else. Especially when there's crosses involved. I love my kids. One of the reasons why I love my kids is because they're my kids. They are mine. They're my kids. And I've told my kids this time and time again, listen, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you go off and you do this and you do that. Daddy is going to love you no matter what. You want to know why? Because you're mine. Because you're mine. And I think God's just looking, you're my kids. You're my kids and I love you. Now here's the thing about my kids. They go to school and, and they bring home, and by the way, Lauren, she was okay right here too, Jason, anytime. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love having the kids. Just, um, my kids come home from school and they bring us their artwork. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. They bring this artwork and they're so excited. Dad, 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 look at this artwork. Look at what I did. Look at what I did in school. And come on, it's total rubbish. It's just complete junk, right? Oh, oh uh, all of your kids too, you know? It's a little turkey hand. You know, it's not a turkey. It's your hand, right? But what do we do? We put it on the fridge. Why? Because it's my kid. I don't put your kid stuff on my fridge. I put my kids' stuff on my fridge, and I love it. And I tell my kids, it's so good. I love your art. I love what you've done. Keep doing it. And I think that's kind of what it's like when we bring all of our works to Jesus. But God, look at all these things I did. Good job, little buddy. <laughs> it's complete junk, Lucas. But you gave it your best shot. Let's put it on the fridge. And the angels rejoice. We're joking, but it's the truth. It's like nothing, my righteousness is nothing compared to what we've done. I can only stand before him because it's in Christ. In Christ, I could put my pictures on his fridge. And here's where it gets even better. We're adopted in. So now all of a sudden, God said, no, I could put everybody's pictures, all these kids' pictures on my fridge and love it just like it was my own. Adopted into this family. To own it. You want to know what's next? Here's the plan. You want to know what the, the, the five-year plan is? The 20-year plan? The 50-year plan? Here it goes. At the right time, he will bring everything together under his authority. 
at the right time. What, what are we moving forward to? That at the right time, God will bring everything together, the culmination of all things. Did you catch that? Not the culmination of some things, not the culmination of a few things, but the culmination of all things coming together in Christ, through together, underneath his authority. All of these things, and if you're in the room, it doesn't matter if you're 20 years old or 40 or 80 years old, all of these things to be prepared for what God has already prepared for us. In other words, you've got to have your oil ready. You've got to have your, your lamp trimmed up. You've got to be watchful because, man, he is coming back. He is coming back, and we have got to be prepared. And Paul knows this, and he's speaking to this church that the church is actually doing quite well. And he says, and I, I know all of this stuff, but I know you've got to be ready. So he gives us some insight on how to be ready, and he does it in the form of this prayer to the church. Because, because you're, we're, we're waiting, and there's great anticipation for everything to be brought together underneath the authority of Christ and us being found in Christ. And he says there's this prayer for the wisdom and the understanding that, what, that you might know him. What's next? That you might know Jesus. Because Paul knows the understanding, like, you could come to church but not come to Jesus. He said, come on, Ephesus, you could come to church, y'all could start going through motions, and you could forget about Jesus. Like, you've got to know him, to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his su suffering. And here's the thing, like, we, we, we say that, like, you come to church but not come to, but here's the thing, that's the first step for most people. They will see you long before they see Jesus. They come through those doors. They see you in the workplace. They see how you're driving on Highway 17. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and we are the salt and the light. And sometimes that salt just beeps the horn. Just you got to get on the slow lane. Just move over. Come on, Jonathan Seiler. He's around here. Uh-huh. <laughs> People see you long before they see Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to pretend like I know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. I don't want to just talk about him. I want to know him. I want to know every inch of this book. Not for the sake of knowing the book, but for the sake of knowing him. Not for the sake of like having all this real good biblical knowledge so I could... Now, like, here's the thing that I found. There's some people, they, they have this biblical kung fu. They're like Bible ninjas, but they are horrible disciples. They are horrible disciples. They've gotten in the word, but the word hasn't gotten in them yet. And they know every inch of it, and they could quote all the things, but man, Jesus like, that's not the point of this book. It's to change you and to mold you and to make it into his image and to his likeness. Not for you to try to change him into your image and your likeness, but that's what we like to do. God's saying, no, no, like, to know him. And Paul's saying, like, this is my prayer. And if we're not careful, we could, just, we, could, we could just take it as a book and we begin to twist it into where it's unrecognizable. Or as a matter of fact, like, let me back up. It's not that it's unrecognizable. It just doesn't look like Jesus anymore. It, more, it looks more like the gospel that you turned it into. It looks like a gospel that's more of the desires of your heart, of health and wealth and prosperity and it's the gospel of America and the gospel of you do this and you'll never get sick again. And the gospel of do that and God's going to fill your bank account. Come on, that is not what the Bible says. So 2023, where are we going? We're going closer to Jesus. 
to know him, to know his word. And that's why I'm planning in the beginning of the year, uh, actually kind of probably starting in February, we're going to do a series called Doctrine. And in that series, we're going we're gonna to hit like eight to 12 core doctrines. It's like, this is what Christians should believe. Like for, for some of us, and it's not to make you feel bad, but you've been coming to church for years and years and years. You don't know what you believe. You, you need to understand, because if you have some of these core doctrines in you, it will help you understand this whole book. But if you miss a few core things, you will get way off. To be ready, to be prepared, physically, mentally, spiritually. And then Paul says this. That first, first, my prayer is that you would know him. My, my second prayer is this. He says, listen, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Now, I think this is so interesting because your heart doesn't have eyes. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. Chris Hodges says it like this. Your heart is the filter in which you see everything through. See, you, you, your, your heart uh, get, get, is, the, is, the, is the, the filter in which all of life begins to filter through your past experiences and be, you begin to think of what's possible for the future. Now, it's not supposed to be that way, but that's just the reality of how it is. And Paul understands that, and that's why he's saying, listen, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. See, some of us have, have been hurt in the past, and so we take all of that hurt into our future. We've been, we've been hurt, and there's this pain, and you've had a bad experience, and you're just waiting for it to happen again. You ate some bad shrimp one day, and now all seafood's bad. Come on. A pastor hurt your feelings, and now all pastors are bad, and all Christians are hypocrites. Come on. All these things, these past experiences, your father failed you, and now all of a sudden you can't relate to God as your father because you had a bad earthly father. And Paul said, like, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I remember this one time I was speaking to a gentleman, and he's like, I'm an atheist, and this, and this, and this. And I just looked at him, I said, you're not an atheist. Like, what do you mean I'm not an atheist? I said, Nick, you're not an atheist. He was like, you can't tell me that I'm not an atheist. I said, you're not an atheist. You're just hurt. You're just hurt. At some point in your life, God disappointed you, and he didn't come through the way you thought he should come through. And so for you not understanding how God would work in this way, you just decide it was easier for there not to be a God at all. You're not an atheist. You're just hurt. I remember me and Alan were working at Applebee's. <laughs> can't believe that place is still around. Like the absolute, if you look up the word mediocrity, <laughs> Applebee's. Anyway, um, it's good. That's the problem. Like, it's not bad. It's not great. It's just, anyway, um, we're at Applebee's, and me and Alan had started to witness to some of the people, uh, some of the wait staff, and this one guy came up to him, and he's like, uh, uh, Alan, Alan, I think, I think I'm a homosexual. And I remember Alan looking at him and being like, nah, you're not. And he was like stunned. He was like, no, I'm pretty sure I am. Now I was like, no, you're just trying to fit in. And you've been hurt and you've been rejected from other people. And so you're just looking for acceptance somewhere else. And I remember after Alan told him that, you remember that? You remember that guy? And there was just, it was like weeks of him just beginning to start asking questions to us. And started like, I don't know. And the truth is you were right. You, you were right. Some of the people that on your workplace, you just think that they're full of pride. You think that they're full of arrogance. Listen, I've never met anybody in my entire life 
that it, see, it manifests itself as pride, but its root is insecurity. And it helps you if the eyes of your heart has been opened to that understanding, now you can minister to them better. Because I know that you're not just a jerk, I know that you're insecure. And so I can minister to you better. And Paul knows this, that the eyes of your heart would be uh, uh, opened. Somewhere along the line, the eyes of your heart have been darkened by the things of this world or the experiences that you've had, and you need the light of Jesus to come in once again. He needs to shine his light on his life. You need to renew your mind, and you need to shed the calluses from your heart. As a matter of fact, we see even a physical representation of this whenever the apostle Paul gets saved, and it says something like scales fell from his eyes. And here's the thing. I think that something like scales fell from his eyes because something like scales fell from his heart. See, because the apostle Paul was there when they stoned Stephen. And when they stoned Stephen, as a young man, he was holding people's coats. And for him, this was his view of what it means to be a good, to be a good religious person. You, you don't do that. You, you, anything that comes against what's the doctrinal issues, you stone it and you kill it. And so what did Paul do for, for his upbringing? This is how he lived out his life until God got a hold of him and opened the eyes of his heart. Do not sing that song at the end. <laughs> Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. We've sang it long enough. Maybe it's time we start just living it. Paul's saying this, like, just come on. Where are we going for 2023? I'm praying that your heart gets wrecked. I'm praying that God shines his light on his people whom he calls holy and we start living that way. Not your version of it, but his version in him. And that is the greatest testimony of all times. That's what the Apostle Paul shows us. This life that, that, that you live and you could have done all this, but man, look at what God has done. Look at the freedom and the, that he has from his past, the light that he has to this glorious future. And the third thing is this prayer. It says, I hope that you realize the hope to which he has called you, that you were discovered that there's purpose inside of you, that God has his hand on your life. There's a hope in which you are called to. This is where God reveals his purpose for your life. This is the place in which God says, okay, I can, I can start to use my son, my daughter, and here's what you got to understand. That hope is not you. That hope is Jesus. He is the hope of the world. He just chooses to use us. Again, key words of this verse, in Christ. In Christ. That all he chooses to you, that hope is in Christ, in Christ alone, to be found in him, to live and breathe and move in him. Psalms 84 says it like this. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. To discover my purpose means, God, all of my purpose is in you, so even if I'm a doorkeeper, I'll gladly do it for you. Whatever it is, because it's you and what you've done. Because my purpose is the fact that I'm rooted in you and who you are. Because what if God looks at you and says, okay, I'm going to tell you your purpose. As a matter of fact, hey, let's go to Paul and tell him all of the things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, we don't like that. We don't like that. Oh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For the plans I have for you, hope, promise, always stand on that. The problem is you don't know the context of that verse. The context is he's writing that to a people that are in captivity and don't want to be there. 
And he says, plant your garden right here. Plant and build houses and start families in a place you don't want to be in. He's very clear. This is what I'm calling you to do, people. We, no, 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 no. See, we want a God who wants him to do what we want him to do. No, no, and God's like, you're either going to live by my word or not. As for, man, even to be a doorkeeper, God, whatever it takes, welcome to Walmart. Come on. Because if that's where you're at, I'll be there. 2023, where are we going? Man, I want you to discover your purpose. But first and foremost, you got to understand that your purpose is in Christ. In Christ. All of these other things are secondary of what we do. It's what he's trying to do in you before he's, what he's trying to do through you. To be a people that are prepared and rooted, no matter what the geography of our nation looks like, no matter what the political climate or the social normative, to have his purpose in us, to not be content with just the circumstances of things that are around us, but to say, God, you chose me before even you formed the world. Whatever it is, I want a part of it. I'm asking everyone to stand to their feet. The worship team can come back up. Paul finishes, or he doesn't finish, but he continues on. And he says this, and I also pray, and I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over, again, all things, not some things, all things, for what? For the benefit of the church. And the church, what? We are the body. It's his body. And it's made full and it's made complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. It begins with Christ. It ends with Christ. In the middle, it's Christ. Everything we live and breathe and move and do is in Christ. And there's this prayer that Paul prays for this church, and it's this prayer that I pray for us, that we would be found in him. And we would prepare, and we would know him. And we would know our calling, and we would know our purpose. And we would know the rich inheritance of the hope in which we move to in Christ to grow deep into his word, not for just the sake of knowing his word, but for the sake of knowing him. To get serious about our worship. To get serious. I didn't come here just to sing a song. I love the band and they're good. But I came here to worship Jesus. Oh my soul, remember who you're singing to. And I didn't come here just to, for some pastor. I came here because I want to know the word of God. And I want the truth, no matter what it costs, no matter how hard it is to swallow to get in me. I don't want some fake version of it. I want the truth. I want all of Jesus. And I'm, I just think that we live in a world that wants that too, even if they say they don't. 
Even if they say that everything can be relative and they, oh, you can just believe whatever you want. No, 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 no. They're lying. They're lying to themselves. We want truth. To be a people that go after God with all of our hearts. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what I want for 2023. I want to seek God first with everything. I want to seek him with my time. I want to seek him with my talents. I want to seek him with my finances. I want to seek him with my marriage. I want to seek him as a, as a pastor, as a father. To seek God first with all things. That his kingdom would come and that I and you and we would be a people that are prepared. Because just like how Alan came back from Hawaii, Jesus is coming back for us. A glorious bride that's pure and spotless. Why? Because of his precious blood. Let's pray. Oh, to know you, Jesus. Oh, to know you, God. Help us to pursue you. Lord, we're not strong enough. Every resolution that we make, we break. Every promise that we thought we were so strong, and we break those too. We're so weak. Our only strength can be found in you. The one who hasn't ever broken a promise. The one who, who's always kept their word. The one who died the death that was due me who decided in advance to love me, to love you. God, we need you. Help us to pursue you. Help us to put you first in 2023, Jesus. Help us to be men that lead our families in prayer. Help us to be families that learn how to talk around the table, to share openly and honest our joys and our struggles. Help us to be a friend in 2023. Open the eyes of our heart to someone that just needs a friend. And if we're that one that needs a friend, help us to be friendly. I just pray for really quality relationships. Relationships that are founded in you. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today the day that you just say, God, my life is yours. If that's you and you're in the room, I'm just gonna ask you that you put your hand real high in the air. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm going to ask everyone to please repeat after me. Lord God, Lord God. I, surrender. I surrender. I am yours. I am yours. You, are you are mine. Fill my heart. Fill my mind. I want to know you. Open the eyes of my heart. God, I believe, help my unbelief. 
Amen. Amen. Guys, can we give it up? We have somebody in the room that gave their life to Jesus today. Yes. Hey, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.